Good morning, Bethel family. Good morning, everybody who's tuning in uh, today. Excited that you're joining us online this last Sunday, the last Sunday of 2020. I know, I know. Some of you are like, I wish 2020 would never end. Um, Yes, we know that's not true. Hey, everybody in the comments right now, type goodbye 2020. You say it out loud. Give somebody a high five. Jump, make your move. Woo! Like 2020, good riddance. Um, so I don't know about you, but when I get into a new year, I start to get reflective. I start to look back on the lessons that I've learned. I start to look back on uh, the goals, the things that I've accomplished. And uh, I, I start to set goals and dream big about the coming year. If you're a big dreamer, type big dreams in the comments right now. And so I start to do that, but I will have to be honest with you. This year, uh, I had a moment about a month ago. I was reading my Bible and I was journaling, and God began to shift my perspective about the coming year. And I think it's significant enough that I wanted to bring it to you guys uh, this morning and to just encourage you and maybe challenge you with a bit of a shift. Um, let me bring it to you this way. What if, what if we stopped thinking about ourselves long enough to see the needs of others? What if we stopped being so focused on what we want and what we need to do and what we need to achieve that we began to see the needs of others bigger than ours? What if we and here's the thing, when, when God started challenging me with this, I started asking some of these questions, I didn't like the answers. I don't know about you, but if you get honest, why, why aren't I making a difference the way that I should? Why didn't in 2020, why didn't I make a bigger difference than I did? I'm not saying I didn't make a difference. I'm just saying I could have done more, and why didn't I? Well, there's a lot of answers to that. I'm sure you guys could comment right now if you wanted to, well, it was this, or it was busy, or COVID, 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 or the election, the election, the election, or um, racism, 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 or uh, stupid people, stupid people, stupid people. I mean, come on, we can all make a list. You know what all these things have in common? One thing. They're all excuses, people. They're not real reasons. They're excuses. And so um, I think as we get into this, we all could have the opportunity to say, you know, we've been talking a lot about hope this month. We've talked all about hope, the road to hope, that we can choose the road to hope, that it's up to us if we're going to take that road to hope. And so today I want to substantially shift, firmly shift to, it's not just you and me choosing the road to hope for ourselves, but it is that you and I have a responsibility to be carriers of hope. And if we don't step up to that responsibility, there's going to be some people who continue in their hurt, who continue in their pain who continue in their hopelessness if we don't step up. And so here's the thought I want to start with. We're hope dealers, people. We are dealing hope. I mean, drug dealers deal drugs, and they're known for it. They have a reputation for it. In fact, they've probably got their drug of choice, and everybody knows they deal that and they deal that. What if you and I became known? We had a reputation that if somebody needed a fix of hope, woo, they're like, that guy over there, he's got what I need. That, oh, yeah, she, she oozes hope. She oozes joy. She oozes stability and peace in the midst of the storm. And we have that responsibility, but circumstances 
and let's keep this real, circumstances like what we've experienced in 2020 could easily distract us from our responsibility to carry hope to other people. It can make us look inward and say, how am I going to take care of me, mine, and ours, instead of realizing that we have the opportunity to serve other people, to make a difference in other people's lives. So what if we began to shift that reputation? What if we began to shift our perspective on 2021? It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year because we carry hope to other people. In fact, comment right now, comment shift, because you are going to commit today to making that shift. So we're going to go to Matthew 8, and uh, before the day's over here, we're actually going to read the entire chapter of Matthew, just about all of it, and uh, that's not typical, uh, but this is how God dropped this revelation on me, that as I was reading this in context and seeing the red letters of what Jesus said and seeing a day in the life of Jesus himself, God began to convict me about, you, you know that whole thing, what would Jesus do? I started to realize I wasn't doing what Jesus did, doing what Jesus did, and uh, I began to bring conviction. So Matthew chapter eight. Here's the context before I start to read in verse one. Jesus has just preached. He went up on a mountainside and he preached the longest sermon uh, recorded in the Bible, anyways, that we know of. And so he starts preaching in chapter five, I think, and we go chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven, and then we come to verse eight, and he has finished his sermon. So no complaining today if you think the sermon's too long, because I'm not going to go that long, okay, people? So he's preached a long sermon. Don't, don't get creative in the comments right now. Like, the, give, the, give the preacher a break. Um, long sermon, and this is what it says next. Verse, chapter 8, verse 1, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came up and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing. You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. I don't think it's a stretch for us all to agree that the world's hurting right now. The world's hurting. The world is searching Many in the world, they, they resonate with the term hopeless. And many are, they're just flat out fed up. They're, I mean, they're fed up with 2020. Some of them were fed up long before that, and 2020 just amplified it. But they're fed up with religion because religion promised them the world and didn't deliver. They're fed up with their circumstances because they tried it all. That's what they say. That's a lie, by the way. They've tried it all and nothing worked, and so... I guess I'm just going to play the victim. Many are fed up and they're overwhelmed because of the loss that they've experienced in their life, especially in this last 12 months. They've lost, many have lost family and friends, whether to COVID or other circumstances. They've lost jobs. They've lost income. They've lost revenue into their business. They've lost a lot. They've lost normalcy. They've lost control. There's been a lot of loss, but of all that loss, I think all the loss can be summed up in what they really lost the most, which was hope. People have lost hope. And when we see this story and Jesus is coming back down the mountain and this man with leprosy comes up to him, we got to realize that Jesus is no longer walking the streets for people to come up and 
hey, say, Jesus, heal me. Jesus is not, as far as I'm aware, I mean, maybe this happened on your, your Zoom, but he's not logging into Zoom rooms and saying, hey, everybody, I'm here to heal. But you know who is walking the streets and logging into far too many Zoom rooms? Uh, can I get an amen here? Do you know who's doing that? You and me. We're here. And, and if we live the way Jesus lived with a different spirit, looking at the needs of other people, then the same way Jesus was followed down the mountain by the crowds because they were pursuing, they were following after hope, they might start following you and me in that exact same way. In fact, I believe that the Bible describes that's exactly what his design is. That he desires for us to be carriers of hope, not superficial hope, not circumstantial hope, but real hope, deep hope, hope that's not affected by circumstances, that's not affected by an election, that's not affected by COVID-19, but hope that is sustainable and firm and strong. That's the kind of hope that you and I get to carry on a daily basis. It's the kind of hope we are carrying. But just like Jesus we've got to answer that question that he was asked in that passage of, are we willing? Are we willing when they need us? And let, I mean, here's the, are you willing? This, this is what rocked me. Am I willing when I'm tired, when I'm worn out, when I feel like I've been given and given and given and they've been taken and taken and taken and then they still want more? Am I willing at that point? Or am I too tired? Or do I want to escape? Or do I need a break? Jesus just preached the longest sermon of his life, and he comes down the hill, and they're still pulling on him. And so this man comes up, and he says, will you heal me? And Jesus doesn't even hesitate. He heals the man. So Jesus has got to be thinking, long day, great comes back down, and the very next verse, in verse 5, it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, okay, so this is kind of cool. I've actually been there to Israel, and I've been to the city of Capernaum, and I've been to the place, if you look up from Capernaum, you look up, and there's this big, massive, it's like this steep hillside, mountainside, and I've been up to that place. That's where they believe, because there's like this natural amphitheater, basically. That's where they believe that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, right? And so Jesus would have walked down this long, long, long hill, all these twists and turns, a steep hill, not a short walk, and he would have walked into Caperna. Now, Caperna is significant because that was Jesus' hometown. Like, for, like, he's from Nazareth, I know, but like during his ministry in the Sea of Galilee, in this region, Caperna was like, that was his home base, that was his hometown. So, long day of preaching, changing people's lives, get back, he gets into his hometown, and then this guy wants him to heal him, right? Let's actually read that, let's read it. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, and he, asking for help, he said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Some, again, I say this all the time. Sometimes we read the Bible, but we got to read the Bible. Jesus, long, long, long day, coming down the hill, and first he heals a man of leprosy. He heals him, doesn't hesitate, go and be clean. Then he gets into his hometown, and he like walks into Capernaum, and he's like seeing the house where he's getting ready to go to rest, to kick back and relax and be like, kick his feet up, finally get some rest. 
And then the centurion comes up to him and he says, hey, my servant is suffering terribly at home. And what does Jesus do? Before the man can ask Jesus to do anything, Jesus says, shall I come to him and heal him? I mean, he just walked back into his hometown and he's like, I don't know if this guy's in the town or if he's somewhere else, but Jesus doesn't hesitate to offer help to this man. I don't know about you, but there are times when I see him coming. Okay, let's keep this real. How many of you have been in Walmart, been in the grocery store, been at the mall, and you see that needy person coming, and you kind of duck around down the other aisle because you just ain't got the energy to deal? <laughs> if you've been there, give me that little hand raise emoji so I know I'm not alone because I've done it. I'm not, I'm not proud of it, okay? But I've done it because I'm human just like you. And so I've done that, but Jesus, he doesn't do that after a long day, an exhausting day, emotionally drained from everybody and everybody's pulling on him. He still is willing to give what this man needed. What did the man need? He needed hope and he needed healing. So in verse eight, it says, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, because see, Jesus could have right there been like, oh, good, you get it, man, that's great. Okay, he's healed, check out. Like he could have been like quick and then off to Peter's house where he's getting ready to go. But Jesus takes this moment. He sees the man. He hears the man. He acknowledges the man's faith, and he takes a moment to teach everybody else, and he says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I mean, he had time to be amazed. Exhausting day, and he took time to be amazed at this man's faith. He was amazed and said to those following him, teachable moment, right? Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Japheth in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would be. And his servant was healed that very moment. Let me ask you, when you have moments where people pull on you, let me ask you a couple questions. And here, I want you to answer these next three questions with a yes or a no. No middle ground, yes or no. That means you have to choose which is most true, yes or no. No middle ground, okay? Three questions. Number one, do you see the people God brings along your path? Do you see the people God brings along your path unequivocally, yes or no? Do you hear the opportunities, like they're coming out of your mouth, like when a guy says, are you willing? Do you hear the opportunities to give them hope and healing, even when it's not convenient? Yes or no? No no rationalizing. And are you able to be present in the moment and make the most of it, for you, for others, for the kingdom, yes or no? See, when I answer those questions without rationalizing and justifying and saying, well, of course I do sometimes, but is it my rule to see, to hear, to slow down rather than get where I'm going or do what I want to do? Is that my rule, hard and steadfast? I've got to say no. Now, he's Jesus, he's perfect, but he's also fully God and fully man. 
and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of me, and the works he did, I will do even greater works than these, is what the Bible says. So if he did it, there must be something inside of me that says, I can do the same thing. I can be willing. I can say yes. It can be my rule that I respond when people are hurting and broken and hopeless to say yes. So he heals the centurion servant. And now, finally, right? Now he gets to rest. He's going to Peter's house. He's going to get to take a break, right? No. Verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, Peter's his best friend, right? He came into Peter's house. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. Nobody asked him to do anything. Nobody told him. It just said he saw. His eyes were open to the needs of others. He wasn't walking in and like kicking down and being like, oh, it was a long day. He saw. And when he saw, that's all he needed. He touched her hand and her fever left. And she got up and began to wait on him. Now, if you wanted to split here's we, we could wonder if his flesh got into it a little bit because he was like, I'm hungry. I'm healing this woman so she can serve us some food. But I, don't th- I think the, the context bears out that he saw her and he cared and he had compassion. Here's what I want us to see from this. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a demand placed on him. There was a demand placed on what was on the inside of him. There was always a need. There were always people pulling on what was inside of him. And if we live with that same spirit active on the inside of us, and if we do live, and we do live with the same calling that was on Jesus' life, to bring that hope and healing, to bring the hope of salvation, to bring healing for the, the brokenness, the pain, the loss, that's what the Bible talks about. It says, there's another passage in Mark, it says, and his fame spread throughout all the land, talking of Jesus. And when you go back into that passage, you see the two things that Jesus brought, just two things. He brought hope and he brought healing. And he put a calling on us. He put something, the Spirit of God on the inside of us that we get to bring that same hope and healing. See, if there was a need that Jesus could meet, he never hesitated to do it. If there was a need that Jesus could meet, he never hesitated to do it. So we gotta ask ourselves, are we doing the same thing? Freely we have received, are we freely giving? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Are we living like Jesus did? And I know this this is a different message, but guys, God, what if 2021 could be the year where we say yes to God? where we say we're willing to make a difference in ways we never have before because we're going to see people. We're going to slow down. We're going to stop hesitating. And this is a little sting, but we're going to stop holding back. The, The hope of the world is on the inside of you, and yet we hold back because it's not convenient, because we're too tired. And I get it, guys. 2020 was nuts. And many of you are tired and you're exhausted, and you're still trying to sort things out in your own life, and you don't have all the answers. But can, can I tell you, if you shift your focus from you to serving others, there is something that happens on the inside of you that changes you. 
your circumstances might not change like that. But there's something on the inside of when you tap into the calling that is in you to serve other people, to bring hope and healing to the world, something changes inside of you. So he heals the centurion. He goes to Peter's house where he finally thinks he's going to get to chill out, and he heals the mother. So now finally, finally he gets to rest, right? Nope. Verse 16, again, a day in the life of Jesus is what we're talking about. Verse 16, when evening came, dinner's over, evening comes, rest, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Back then, like, when it got dark, everybody rested. But when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Now, at this point, I got to believe that human side kicked in a little bit, and Jesus was like, okay, I've preached, I've healed, I've healed, I've cast out demons. Disciples, get in the boat, let's get out of here. Like, I need a break, right? And so he's like, I'm going to get a break, just me and my guys, just me and my fellas, let's get out of here. Verse 19, then the teacher of the law, oh wait, so this is before he gets in the boat. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Here's what I'm gonna say to you. Jesus knew the cost of his calling more than anybody else. He was not self-deceived. He, was not, he had no preconceived notion that this was going to be easy, that the path was going to be easy, that people were going to love him, that everything was going to go his way. Jesus knew the cost. He knew it would cost him everything. It was the all-encompassing, all-in. Jesus was not holding anything back. And everybody else thought, I see that power. I see that authority. I see the miracle signs and wonders. And this teacher was like, I want some of that. I'll follow you wherever you go if I can get some of that. But Jesus is saying, bro, You don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know the cost of living in this calling. And he says, foxes have dens and birds have nests. What's he talking about? Well, when he came to Capernaum, that was his home base town, but he went to Peter's house because he didn't have a house to go to himself. So there's that context, but I believe it goes deeper, and I think the context bears this out because he's not just saying, I don't have a house to call my home. What is a fox's den? What's a bird's nest? It's their safe place. It's where they retreat to. It's where they're protected, right? I mean, think of the fox's den. It's hidden. It's isolated. It's alone. He retreats. It's his refuge, the fox's den. And Jesus was saying, hey, fellas, listen, you you think you want this, but let me tell you something. This isn't a a sermon because they were the teachers of law. This isn't a sermon I turn on and off. I don't check out. I can't shut this off. I don't shut this down. He was saying foxes have dens and birds have nests, but there is no place I can go to escape the weight of my calling, the responsibility that I have to bring hope and healing to the world. There's no place I can go to escape, to find refuge, to lay my head. He was saying, listen, I am all in. To the death is what Jesus was saying. And you see it in the next verses because picking up in verse 23, 
Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the, lay, so the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. What did Jesus, Jesus found a place to lay his head. What did the verse just say? They, don't, they have dens and nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Jesus finally finds a place to lay his head. And what happens? The disciples went in and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're gonna die. Even when he was with the guys that were closest to him, his closest companions, their, his safe place, his inner circle, there were still needs. There was still a pull for what was on the inside of him. But don't you love that Jesus didn't say, hey guys, I'm tired. You know the day that I've had, fellas. Seriously, you're gonna wake me up right now? Figure it out on your own. Jesus didn't do that. And by the way, let, let's take this application of this message, not just to the world that is hurting and hopeless, but let's take it to the people closest to you in your life. Because I don't know about you, but I'm, I've been guilty of this. I've gotten better, but I've been guilty of giving my all to you and giving my all to my coaching clients and giving my all. But when I get home and I walk into the door, I've been guilty of saying, son, I'm too tired. Honey, I, I just can't. I, I just can't. Some of you have said that this week. And my family gets my leftovers. I gave the world hope and healing, but I gave my family nothing. What are we gonna give to the people close to us? How do they need hope? How do they need healing? How do they need to be seen and heard and valued? How do we need to say, this week I am not gonna hesitate to give my best to my family, to my close friends? How can you apply that in your life? He says in verse 26, he replied to them after they wake him up, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I'm not gonna read it, but uh, if you go on verse 28 through 34, there's, he finally gets to the other side, right? The other side, the crowds are over here. He gets to the other side and now he should be able to have a nice quiet stroll, maybe go into the town and get some food. Gets out of the boat, two demon-possessed guys, violent demon-possessed. He ends up casting them out into a herd of pigs. They, they go off a cliff. And when you think, like, he's like, all right, this is it. Like, people are gonna come out and celebrate. They're gonna cook me a feast in the village. And like, yeah, I'm gonna get, and the people did. They came out to him in a crowd, the whole town, it said but they came out and pleaded with him to leave their region. No appreciation, <laughs> no gratitude, but he had impacted their life, probably their livelihood, their economics, right? Like, well, if he's cast him, like those were pigs, they were gonna get us money. And so they said, leave. And here's what I would say to you. If you are fulfilling your calling, if you are making a difference for the recognition of men, you're gonna give up at the first sign of resistance. The first sight of adversity, our calling, fulfilling our destiny must be tied to something greater than the recognition of people. Our calling must be tied to something greater than the recognition of people. It's gotta be fueled by this calling that's on our life. It's gotta be fueled by the hope that we bring to the world. It's gotta be fueled by the, God put something on the inside of us that this world needs. And that's the bottom line of this message. When we carry hope and healing, it is a heavy responsibility. We don't get to turn it off, guys. 
we don't get to shut it down. I'm telling you, this is my shift in perspective. I've got to serve more. I've got to give more. When people ask Jesus, every time when people ask Jesus, he responded. He was willing. Never once does he say, no, I'm not willing. No, I'm too tired. No, I don't have time. No, I'm on my way to somewhere else. Every single time he responds, he's willing to love. Just in that one chapter, he was willing when people needed help, when they were suffering, when they were sick, when they were scared, when they were in search of their own purpose and calling, and when they were even possessed and oppressed by the devil himself. In one day, these were the people Jesus ministered to after the longest sermon recorded in the Bible. What are you doing today? What am I doing today? There is too much on the, if it was his assignment, it's my assignment. And guys, we gotta stop being shocked when people pull on what's on the inside of us. And if they're not pulling yet, that means we need to give more. We need to serve more. We need to say yes more. We need to say, God, I am willing to bring the hope and healing that this world needs. We've got to follow Jesus' example. We've got to slow down and see people. We've got to say, I'm not going to hesitate. And we've got to offer to freely give, as Jesus demonstrated many times, without even being asked. Here's where I want to land this. What if, what if instead of at the top of our goals for 2020, 2021, (laughs) we're not going backwards, top of our goals for 2021, what if instead of lose this much weight, make this much money, meet the perfect someone, what if at the top of our list was one thing? In 2021, I choose to say I'm willing I'm willing. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to bring hope. I'm willing to bring healing. Jesus, I am willing. Here I am. Send me. What if you and I said yes to others, yes to Jesus to make a difference like we've never had before in 2021? Listen, your circumstances might not change overnight, but you will change from the inside out, and God will use you to bring more and more glory to his name. So that's my challenge for you. As you step away from this message, days till the ball drops, and it's a new year, 2021, woo, hello. Let's all reflect on this. What does it mean this year for me to say, God, I'm willing. I say yes. God, I pray that as we reflect on this message, if there's those here today that their yes, their first step to yes is to say yes to a God who loves them, who went to the cross and died for the penalty of their sin so that they can be in relationship with you. God, if that's their decision, I pray that they pray that prayer right now. Yes, Jesus, I believe in you for salvation right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, it's that simple. And then God, I pray for those that need to say yes and they've been holding back, they've been hesitating, they've been distracted by the craziness of a year But today's the day we shift, we shift right now to put our eyes on you, to recognize what's on the inside of us, the hope and healing that this world needs. And today we choose to say, I am willing. Put your hands on your chest right now and just say, Jesus, I am.
Say it again so you feel it in your soul and in your spirit. Say, Jesus, I am willing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you guys. We'll see you soon.